Hello and welcome back to the podcast, everybody. My name is Anthony Trevino, and today what we're going to talk about is uh, just a couple items I kind of wanted to talk about uh, for when I first became a trainer, a little bit about uh, online classes versus on-site differences, uh, preventing burnout is another big one, uh, sharing your passions in a workspace, especially virtually, and then uh, last one I want to do is, uh, you know, not crossing the line or being politically correct, especially in this current day and age. But let's go ahead and just jump right into things and get started. So first thing I want to go into was, of course, things I wish that I knew when I first became a trainer. You know, when I first went through some of my initial trainings, long, long time ago, <laughs> uh, many, uh, many trainings I had done for jobs were just simply look at a binder and read the information and, and see what happens, right? There was no delivery. There was no curriculum. Matter of fact, I remember I, I worked at a check cashing place for gosh, maybe about a week and a half, and they must have had a a, a, a training uh, binder there that gosh was about the size of like two giant uh, dictionaries. You know, just kind of slapped together, and and that was kind of it. And that was the training, right? And I was like, man, I, I said, who thought that this was a good idea to, you know, give training or conduct training, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, or even before that, you know, when I first started, when I got my very, very first job, I remember watching these really goofy 90s videos, you know, of of, uh, of someone, being, you know, sitting there saying, gosh, do you want to be a great employee? Here's what you do. Wink, you know, and then give the winky face and then the goofy music and things that go along with it all sit on on VHS and, you know, sometimes you get the bad grains and everything. And I thought, man, what what a odd thing to do for for a job, right? Create training materials or deliver trainers or deliver uh, trainings to folks to help them get through a job. You know, I thought those sort of like an HR thing, you know. Uh, but when I finally had an opportunity to dive into it to myself, especially nowadays, in the last 10 years, trainings have really taken a huge turn uh, in a really, really positive way, and trainings have become much more immersive uh, from all kinds of fields. Doesn't matter if you're doing stuff like, you know, fast food, uh, fast food stuff all the way through, uh, you know, automotive manufacturing. We're seeing a huge uptick and spike in deliverables. How do you deliver that content? How do you get to employees? How do you support them? How do you upskill current employees, etc.? And it's just, it's amazing to me. And when I first started as a trainer, one of the first things that I encountered was a problem with time management. There was never enough time in the day. And I wish that someone had uh, guided me over to like some LinkedIn learnings uh, or even over to uh, some of the free uh, content out there like Corsia or Udemy, etc., that talked about uh, being a, an effective time management individual. Because if you're not managing your time effectively in the classroom, especially if you get off topic and track like myself sometimes whenever you're delivering content, you can really derail your entire training. And as we all know, for those who are training uh, and have been in the training field and development field for a while, we have a strict guideline usually of time of how long we have to get in there, get out, get done, and kind of move on as it were. <laughs> so having that ability to be super flexible is a really big thing. That's one of the ones that I wish that I kind of knew right off the bat. The second thing I wish I knew was not having to be a subject matter expert, you know? I used to put this this huge amount of pressure on myself to having to be a subject matter expert, thinking that, man, if, if I don't know everything that I'm supposed to know 
for this material, inside, outside, backwards, etc. No matter what questions they ask me, if I don't know every single answer to every single question, then I'm going to be a very ineffective human being. I'm going to be a very ineffective trainer, and I can't deliver content to folks, especially if they're looking to me to be that person that's that, that expert. But you know what the amazing thing is? Is that people are a lot kinder on you than you realize and you think. If you have a base understanding, that's the important part. Matter of fact, even a lot of companies, when you're coming in as a trainer, uh, expect that you have some level of competency, you know, coming into that area and, and uh, wanting to train and develop it, right? And if they, if you don't, they're going to give you some of those competencies, right? So even if you're looking for, like, example, looking for a new job, for example, uh, a lot of places are like, hey, no problem, we're going to give you some of that base experience, so that at least you know what you're talking about and have a general, you know, reference and frame of mind. Because what you don't want to do is guess at something. And I remember there was an experience I had once where someone was literally guessing at the information and would make up answers on the fly. And I was, I was observing this, you know, someone had made a mention or a comment to somebody else later on and said, you know, I don't trust that person simply because half of what they just said was just made up and I've spent the last 20 minutes correcting them in front of a group of individuals. And it really struck me, right? It wasn't a matter of you know, not being a subject matter expert as it were, it was a matter of a willingness to ask questions, to build relationships, uh, to reach out and say, hey, you know what, I don't know that answer, but let me find out what that answer is either on the break or on our lunch or, you know, maybe tomorrow morning before our, our session begins. That willingness to ask for help it's it's quite a powerful tool, uh, and again, you can you can teach any any line of business. You can go into any field. Doesn't matter if it's automotive or manufacturing, pharmaceutical. I mean, it, it really it it does not matter. But what matters is your ownership of the problem. You know, parking lotting a question. If you don't know an answer, that's okay, but don't make something up because the moment that you make something up you lose 100% credibility with your audience, with your leadership, and more importantly, with yourself, you know? Nobody likes it when you're, when you're going to give them a lot of uh, baloney, as it were, and make something up on the fly just to kind of look good, because all you're going to do is set up those individuals to fail because they're expecting for you to know. And again, if you don't know, that's okay. But own that particular portion of it. Next thing I've, I've learned about... Uh, that I wish I knew when I was becoming a trainer, of course, is that putting that stress on yourself to be able to accomplish every single uh, goal or objective uh, within the day, right? Let's say that you have an eight-hour day planned. No matter what you do in terms of your planning, <laughs> no matter what you do in terms of your delivery, there's always going to be a wrench that throws things into the mix. It's okay that you didn't deliver every piece of content that was expected for one day. If you're behind 20, 30, 45 minutes, even an hour, that's okay. You know, there's going to be opportunities and moments to catch up because there's going to be some content that you're going to deliver where your learners may not have any kind of questions, you know? So allowing yourself that flexibility to answer some questions, being reasonable with your time, of course, but knowing that you know it's okay that you didn't do every single thing that you had to do now if you're doing like a one-day seminar kind of a deal or one-day roundtable of course you want to deliver all that content but if your training is going a week or two or three weeks then give yourself a little bit of that 
flexibility to have those conversations with folks. That way, you're not setting yourself up for failure. Because the last thing you want is for someone to come back and, and tell you, well, the information was great, but I couldn't ask any questions. <laughs> you know, this information didn't really make a lot of sense to me. I wish I could have asked some questions, right? So again, something to think about, something to consider. Uh, I, I have lots of other uh, feedback and things about this particular topic, but those are some of the bigger highlights, I think, for myself when I was first becoming a trainer and, and go, coming into the training and development field that I wish that I understood to some degree because I put a lot of stress on myself uh, and I put a lot of stress on, on, you know, I've seen other folks put even more stress on themselves of just trying to do some of the things and objectives that we currently have. Uh, but in uh, in and more importantly, speaking about timing, I'm going to add one extra caveat. Timing is important, and timing is a great discussion point for a lot of folks. What you don't want to do is, is if you know something that you're delivering is meant to be one hour, you don't want to make it two hours. So likewise, you know, I wish that I knew this as well, <laughs> is where as much as I would say, hey, give folks the opportunity to ask questions, also make sure that you're moderating yourself and keeping to a set schedule using things like a timer, right? And this could be like a little timer you set on your watch. If you're delivering online, maybe a little timer you put up on your computer screen, uh, or just keeping track of the time if you're just good, better about you know watching the timer, uh, watching the t time and the clock on, on the wall there, then go ahead and do that. Uh, timing is important, but it's a, a learned skill. Right? It's a learn skill that takes time, and the more experience you have, the easier it is to keep track of those things. The next topic I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit is on, online versus on-site. Uh, in a virtual environment, you know, one of the things that I have noticed is that you really have to, to put on a showmanship show. Right, you have to take off your your normal cap of who you are, uh, and elevate your experience, sort of like being a radio talk show host. And I know that seems a little odd, but if you think about it, I mean, think of all the different podcasts that we have out there in the world. Think of all the different you know YouTube videos that we have, or LinkedIn learnings, etc., where we have all these formats where somebody's going into sort of a presenter mode uh, of sorts, right? In a virtual environment, especially if you're not, you know, actively seeing your audience on a regular basis, I know that with Zoom, for example, or Google Hangouts, you might be able to to do everybody up on video and, and audio, no pro big deal or no big problem. But you will be amazed at the number one complaint that folks have is how boring an instructor is, right? How boring that person was from start to finish. Because if I talk like this and I just want to present material, then I will just talk like this and you will fall asleep within a few moments and then be bored with the materials. Because they lack passion, right? When, you have, when you're passionate about something, it doesn't have to be the material. It could just be teaching, right? It could be instructing. It could be helping somebody learn a new skill set or a job or something that makes an incredible difference and impact in who you are. So being a little bit of a, a showman and having a little bit more of that radio personality, that's really kind of what it's all about. When you're on site, people can see your engagement or lack thereof. Uh, and it's always interesting when I watch some of these like professors, for example, and I, and I see some of these lectures that are for free online, and they're so dull. And, I, and I'm like, wow, people actually get, you know, something out of this. Uh, you know, I, I see more folks saying, you know, I, I wish I just took a look at the notes and then, you know, maybe refer back to a couple other lessons on YouTube. The reason why YouTube is so popular is because we see so many dynamic personalities come out. And on site, that's even more 
important because you can interact and engage with your audience. Matter of fact, actually, there is a, a course out there, a CS50 course, where the instructor gets really re-engaged and gets really uh, involved with the audience uh, and then gets involved with the classes and things like that. And you can notice the passion in his voice every time he's leading discussions, every time he's answered questions. It makes a significant difference. He doesn't have to put on a, a radio show host personality, as it were, right? Because his personality shines through so significantly on site, and folks can see those interactions, they can see you, uh, you know, with your your uh, nonverbal communicative, uh, you know, approaches, as it were, right? So, anyway, something to think about, something to consider. Online, you need to do a little bit more. Need to do a little bit more pop, uh, and really, you know, in, in online courses as well. I found asking questions, direct questions, is a lot more engaging. When you're in a live environment, when you're sitting there in a room with folks, and we can't really do that that much or as well as we used to because of COVID, of course, but when you're in a live group of folks, it's very, very dynamic, right? People can see you walking around. People can see where you're going, what you're doing, how you're approaching it. And online, you really don't get that. Someone could be 100% tuned out, you know, taking a look at their Snapchat, you know, or Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever social media, right, or LinkedIn. Uh, or they could be watching YouTube videos or TikToks. They could be doing any number of things when they're online. And having yourself being prepared uh, to ask direct questions uh, is super, super important, not just for gauging understanding, but also keeping them involved in the conversation and making it random whenever you're having those conversations and, and having those uh, you know, discussion points or questions that you're asking. If you've not looked at it before, one of the things that I always recommend to folks is Bloom's Taxonomy. I'm not going to go into Bloom's Taxonomy today, uh, but I would really strongly suggest y'all Googling that uh, for Bloom's Taxonomy. It's a it's basically a way of asking questions, the types of questions, and uh, gives you a breakdown of levels of difficulty, basically from you know basic understanding all the way to an evaluation or even uh, creating you know uh, information on the fly, as it were, when you're asking somebody questions. And you can layer those critical thing questions to help assist with all that right so anyways good good little topic and discussion point there the next topic I want to transition to now is of course preventing burnout it's really difficult whenever you're delivering content whenever you're going into discussions and classes and trainings that you can stop all burnout burnout happens What's the reason for the burnout? Is the reason for the burnout the audience? Is the reason for the burnout your leadership? Is the reason for the burnout you? You know, look at what the cause of the burnout is. If you're passionate about training and delivery, if you're passionate about instructional design, if you're passionate about anything, you know, sometimes taking a step back and reevaluating what's causing the issue and addressing that issue is probably going to be your best bet. Here's an example for, for, for myself. One of the things that I noticed when I first became a trainer, I started delivering content, was I got really frustrated when people weren't successful. And in my first year, I thought that if I didn't have everybody getting 100% pass rates you know, on, on their exams or quizzes or whatever it was that I was delivering, that I was failing in some way, shape, fashion, form. And I was super hypercritical of myself. And within that first year, I nearly quit thinking that I was unsuccessful, that I was incapable of, of hitting that marker. 
and I realized that there are certain individuals who just didn't quite understand the content or the materials. They, they weren't, uh, you know, either technically or non-technically inclined, where they just struggled with it. And it was okay, the fact that it was. So the burnout was because, for myself, was because I was hyper-focused on what I felt or thought was a lack of skill or a lack of ability. So whatever that burnout might possibly be, because if you're passionate about helping people learn and passionate about supporting them on their career growth and development, then remember that's the reason why you do your job, right? That's the reason why you're after is because you get a certain high from it. You know, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, for example, he talks about loving the process, right? Maybe not necessarily destinations because the destination, yeah, you're going to get there eventually, but the process of what you're doing. I love the process of what I do. I love the process of getting from point A to point B to getting individuals to get there, the light bulb moments that they have. I love that process. Taking individuals that, you know, have been told, you can't do this. You can't accomplish this. You're, you're nothing, you're nobody, and you're going to, you know, be a worthless sack of potatoes right and taking those individuals and building them up into something different something better i love that process i am very very passionate about that process but again right what i was hyper focusing on was why isn't everybody successful some individuals are not ready for success some individuals you know want to sit and complain and badmouth and talk poorly about whatever situations happening in their life and say woe is me in life well you know what life is unfair life sucks you know but it's about what you make of that right it's what you make of that and how you move forward in your personal growth and in your professional growth right bad things are always going to happen so in terms of preventing burnout I always evaluate what is causing me to have that feeling is it how I'm delivering my content? Is it the people that I'm, I'm working with? Is it my leadership? Is it, you know, is, is it something like, for example, politics, right? Let's look at politics currently happening or the COVID stuff that's currently happening. You know, you could get mentally burned out before you even come into your job, right? So again, addressing that issue could even be something that helps prevent that. For me, myself, and I, for example, uh, I, I try to do med light meditations in my mornings and light meditations at night. I also try to do yoga. Yoga's a, I'm a big fan of yoga, always been a big fan of yoga, loved it, been doing it for quite some time. I've, I've got a, a dear friend of mine that uh, has been my yoga instructor and friend for uh, years now, and um, you know it's been one of the things that helps me cope with some of that burnout uh, feeling, especially when things get so heavily charged in our social media accounts or on the news, where we're getting frustrated at something that's completely outside of our normal domain of, of our professional world, but we drag that into uh, that professional world, and then, of course, we get burned out because it's not the job that's burning it out. It's personal stuff that's burning us out. So, again, figuring out where that burnout comes from and finding out outlets that give you a positive you know, outlet. I think, and then lots of people have said this, right? You want to do three things in life, right? Find something that makes you happy, right? Something like a creative outlet. Find something that makes you money, right? And then, uh, was it find something that makes you money? Find something that lets you be creative. 
and then I think it's find something that makes you happy. I think it's like the last one. But I, if if I'm not, I, I apologize, everybody. I can't ever remember all the things that are in there. But what I can remember is that there are certain elements that you do to prevent and, and uh, you know prevent yourself from burning out, right? And there's lots of things that are out there. I'm no expert by no means, you know, in any way, shape, fashion, form. I'm really passionate about my my video games that I play. Uh, some people give me flack about that. I'm okay with that because you know what? That's my process. Uh, but I do that because I have communities inside these games where I get to uh, engage with different people from around the world. I get to help with different events. I get to teach, which is something I'm really, really passionate about. Uh, and I get to be involved with something that, you know, again, otherwise I might be isolated from, you know, for me, going fishing is not my thing, you know, but me being part of a community where I get to uh, evolve myself, you know, both my, my emotional well-being and as well as my psychological well-being and help other individuals uh, gives me tremendous joy, you know, for what I do. So anyways, think about it, consider it, it's okay, you know, but jump into it. Now, speaking of passions, <laughs> we're now going to talk about and transition into sharing your passions in the workplace. Uh, one of the things that I, I have talked about at work periodically is is just my passion for my, my passion for learning, my passion for games. It doesn't matter if it's a board game or a video game or whatever it happens to be. Uh, my passion for you know the outdoors, for example. I love going into the forest. I like finding uh, little spots, especially here in Michigan area where I happen to be right now. Uh, there's tons, tons of recreational parks, tons of water areas where you can just go and see the trees and the water, and I love being outside. It is something I am greatly, greatly passionate about. Michigan has some wonderful, wonderful, you know, uh, state parks and, 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 and otherwise and other places, and just little gems that really stand out, and it reminds me uh, a lot of Washington State. Matter of fact, that's kind of where I grew up. That's, that's where I'm from. But sharing your passions in a virtual workplace, you have to make sure that they're workplace appropriate, right? Uh, so for example, <laughs> I, I would never uh, openly at work be like, yeah, I'm really into this kind of a beer or I'm into this kind of booze or I'm into this kind of thing, you know, because in a professional environment, you know, a lot of times you really can't do it. Now, if it was at a mixer, right, not a mixer, but, uh, you know, one of those like after work party kind of deals, yeah, yeah you, you could bring that up, right? But in the normal nine to five, I'm not going to be talking about some of those things, right? Uh, I might not talk about uh, my love, for example, for Back to the Future, right? Uh, I, I might bring that up in class or might mention something like that but being careful about you know how you know the the frame or the place you happen to share that I find that sharing my passions of what I'm about uh, usually after work with with folks if they want to talk about it completely fine especially if you're going out to again like a little mixer or you're going to like a work party or you're going to wherever I think those are fantastic places uh, to be able to do that I, I really genuinely do and think that everybody should be able to connect with somebody at work I think that's important but others feel that work should be work and personal should be personal I just don't agree I, I think that you can build meaningful friendships uh, with colleagues but I think you have to be careful because at the same time, uh, if you say something or do something inappropriate, then that can absolutely haunt you and come back later to bite you real, real quick, especially uh, for being in a very politically correct environment that we happen to have, which is part of the last topic. We're going to kind of mesh these two topics together. Um, for example, I'm, I'm, I had, uh, you know, I, I tell folks, you know, more often than not, 
if you're not careful about what you say, someone's going to try to take offense to it, either unintentionally because you said something that may have been you know, offensive, or intentionally because they're trying to cause uh, strife in your classroom. They're trying to cause a problem because they have a problem with everybody. You know, we, we talk about these worlds or situations and environments where people are like, oh, you can't do this and you can't, you know what, just take a freaking break and, you know, take a hike. Uh, the world is not that serious, but there are so many people who overreact uh, to situations because they lack, you know, emotional intelligence. They lack, you know, uh, that uh, that certain level of, of adulthood, you know, where they're still sitting in a, you know, a child mentality because they never uh, fully developed to understand when a joke is simply a joke, for example, right? And I'm not talking about making jokes like, you know, uh, like racism jokes, sexism jokes, things like that. I'm not talking about those things. You know, I'm talking, for example, uh, you know, if somebody was to mention, say, you know what, I, I wish that I could go to this store because this store is the best store that there is. And to heck with all those other stores. I don't like those other grocery stores because they're bad. Right. Well, then someone could kick back and say, well, you know, forget you. This store is bad. And I, you know, only this store is the best, you know, and then they get super competitive, almost like with sports teams. Right. We get super, super competitive. The problem is, is that they they take that beyond that. They say, wait, wait, wait a second. You know, you talked about that store. How dare you do that? You know, my my family has gone to this store for generations and my family is this, this, this. And you're like, whoa, how did the conversation go from I hate this grocery store to I hate now everybody simply because I don't like that grocery store? So, again, everything, you know, flips, everything changes dynamically because people take the information out of context. We see this, you know, happen in, 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 in extremes, especially with the news, especially with politics, especially with what's been happening with COVID stuff. Like we see this in levels of extreme here and it's, it's awful. It's terrifying. And it makes you really think like, okay, if I can't make a simple comment like this, you know, then what can I in fact say? So knowing your audience, and again, I'm not excusing anything for like, you know, sexism, racism, uh, xenophobia, nothing like that. I mean, those kinds of jokes, they're bad. And you should never be saying that, you know, call folks out like, hey, if you're saying that kind of inappropriate nonsense and crap, you better call it on and say it's not okay to do those things. A hundred percent. Right. But if, if someone was just making a silly joke, right, like a knock knock joke and tries to take that way out of context, that's where, you know, you have to be real careful because they could be, you know, trying to get you fired. They could just be causing you or trying to intentionally cause strife or issues inside of your class. So being careful about that. So again, myself, me, myself and I, I love sharing my passions. I love sharing my passions for the outdoors, for the games that I play, for the food that I cook, for, you know, my family. I, I like to share those passions. But at the same time, right, you have to be careful of the PC environment we happen to live in. And there's a lot of people who take things out of context. I'll give you one example before we wrap up our podcast. I said, man, I really love y'all. You guys are such a great class. You're such a great group of individuals. I mean, I'm, I'm love that we're gelling so much. And this happened, gosh, seven or eight years ago. And I remember someone said, excuse me, you love me? <laughs> and I was like, what? 
and I had to have a conversation with them. Uh, and so now my, my ongoing joke occasionally when I go to a group of, of individuals when I'm presenting something to someone, I, I always tell them, I'm asking, you know, I love y'all. You guys have been a great group in an HR appropriate way, right? And I have to sometimes, I, I say that on occasion, and people laugh because someone took that out of context as me hitting on them, you know, right, in the middle of a, of a professional environment. I said, no. You know, I, I said, I'm just loving the, the atmosphere that we've created. I've loved the environment that we're creating. But they took it completely 100% in a context of I'm trying to hit on them in the middle of work. Again, made no sense. Still don't understand it to this day. I think it's ridiculous. I think that the person who brought it up a long time ago uh, simply wanted to, uh, you know, overreact and, and, and be a bad actor uh, simply for the f- fact and sake of being a bad actor. But anyways, think about it. Lots to think about in this particular podcast. Again, this is another longer podcast we've been jumping into. Uh, but uh, again, thanks so much for those who have sent me private chats, things like that about uh, suggestions or information, things that y'all want to kind of go over or get some of the insights I've got. Uh, I'm going to try to create another uh, podcast at some point uh, in the future. I'm not sure when the next episode is going to come out, but super excited, super stoked about that. It's been a great listen. Thanks so much for joining me today, everybody. And if you have any questions for me, topics or things you want to talk about, you can always reach me at atrevino01 at gmail.com. You can use the same email address to find me on LinkedIn. Also, you can find me at Twitter at TheRealAT8 on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Have a great rest of your day, and as always, be safe out there.